you back in bed. This fever doesn't break by tomorrow, I'm taking you to see the doctor. You don't have HIV. I get some sleep. Can you answer the question? I'm not sure. I don't think so. What's that even mean? It means I've never been tested. We've had sex. Safe sex. Not every time. Well, whose fault is that? You said it felt better. I should have listened to little puppy. He warned me about you. The fuck is that supposed to mean? How many people have you slept with? I don't know. Like, 50? 50? 50? Oh, my God. Welcome to the House of Poser. This is the Carefree Black Nerd Review Show covering FX, FX, FX's newest uh, scripted series entitled Pose. This show is a goddamn motherfucking blessing. This is episode four, The Fever. In this episode, Candy's insecurities about her appearance are heightened when she is criticized at a ball. Blanca worries when Damon and Ricky have a medical scare. Now, y'all already know, a lot of times when I cover this show, I do not go into full detail over every single thing. It is just that damn good. And this is one of those shows where I've decided I want to leave a little bit um, left to the viewer. But, God damn, was this a heavy episode? We dealt with a lot. Um, one of the things being Candy and her image issues. And I really like that because, again, we're getting a story being told straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. This is a trans character who is giving a performance about a topic that I'm sure is prevalent in the trans community. Body issues. Much like people can have body dysmorphia and all that good shit and, you know, dealing with like bulimia, anorexia and different things like that. When you get this marginalized community that isn't taken seriously for one and isn't protected for two, you have some of the same issues, but goddamn, it's so much harder to, I guess, well, it seems from the outside looking in to be much harder to kind of, um, kind of address and, and get the help that you need. And, you know, there becomes a class issue as well, you know, the haves and have nots who's able to, uh, who has access to these uh, treatments and who doesn't. It's just, oh my God, it's ridiculous. So we get, we open up on another ball and we have Candy and she, Candy is a beautiful brown woman, or a beautiful woman, excuse me, who, who is brown, like her skin. Ah, fucking amazing. So category is this juicy, what is it? <laughs> Pray tell, it's talking about, uh, it's a body category. And with watching my house and with being at different balls and being kind of in the space that this community exists in, um, there's a theme running of no fats, no films. That's the whole other toxic side of things. But I really enjoyed seeing the celebration of the juicy girls, as he said, <laughs> it's the full figure, the thick girls, the, the ones who are um, uh, body, 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 so to speak. And Candy's freaking determination. This woman went up against Pray Tale in this category so many motherfucking times. That's another thing I like about this show is that you have these relationships that these people have within the ballroom community or scene or umbrella and yeah they may know each other outside of the ballroom scene but it's I don't know it's I watching Pray Tale on stage commentating and then seeing people like hurl these insults at him mainly from this episode Candy is such a beautiful thing because this man is is taking it all in stride and spitting it right back out he's just oh my god he's 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 the fucking best so um yeah, she Candy is up with her little thin self, 
Uh, and he says, girl, this ain't no uh, face category that you used to win in. This is body. Sugar. <laughs> she come back to him with, this is a sexy category. There ain't no other ple- bitch in this place sexier than me. Like, the whole fucking intro is just another reason why I love this show so goddamn much. Uh, aside from the fashions and the music and the acting, this is just... This ball, this, like, I want a supercut of every one of the ball scenes, like, after this season is over, back to back to back. Just all of this, just one long goddamn ballroom scene. Like, I would love that. Anyone out there, do that. Do that <laughs> and tag me in it or something. Um, so, yeah, so everyone gets their tens except for Candy, which is like, damn, pray tell. You did not have to throw that in that girl's face. Uh, this is another episode where we get uh Electra the Corilla DeVille standing and she's just so mean but really it feels like tough love it feels like insults but it does feel like tough love um so another thing that I like about this kind of storyline with Candy is that she's upset she walks out storms out rather sitting outside on the curb and Angel walks up and she's like Girl, I don't need your sympathy. She's like, bitch, I'm trying to help you. You, you motherfucker, listen, why you got to be like that? We might not be in the same house, but motherfucker, I know your struggle. And I really thought they were going to go the route of, in addition to having access and um, those persons who are, uh, who have money, who are able to get the surgeries and get the treatments, I thought they were also going to go the whole light skin, dark skin route because, of course, Angel is a fair skin um, Latina woman. Whereas Candy is a black woman, dark skin through and through. And the, and if they did go that route, it was kind of lost on me. It was more or less inferred. Um, so if you're listening and you did see some of those things, you know, point them out to me. Tweet me, Carefree Blurred. Use the hashtag PoserPod because I'm not, um, I was I was watching the show, but again, not being trans myself. I was doing my best to pick out everything that I could relate to or at least kind of rationalize in my head to kind of um, um, make the story make sense or at least understand uh, where these ladies were coming from. And <laughs> there's this point where, and this is hilarious, Angel is telling Candy like about, you know, how the big girls, you know, the curves make you more passable and blah, blah whatever. But she's like, let me tell you the story about me and my man. And then she goes <laughs> And it's like, bitch, I don't want to hear no story about you and your nigga. Like, why the fuck would I want to hear that? Like, that's not a... And it was one of those things <laughs> that everyone has experienced. Either you've been on the side of Angel or the side of Candy. But if you're going through something... <laughs> like, okay, you, say your lights get cut out. And you're like, damn, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. Your friend come up, well, you know, last time I paid the lights in my five-bedroom house that I sleep with a warm uh, a fucking pillow every night. You're like, bitch, I don't give a fuck about that. Like... What are you talking about? <laughs> I love that, like that honest moment where she's listening to the story, she being candy and understanding, you know, what Angel's saying. But it's like, oh, you really didn't throw your man in my face. Like, <laughs> bitch, so what? <laughs> so relatable on both ends because sometimes you're just oblivious to the privilege that you may have and you need a candy moment to kind of snap you back in your place because talking about your man was integral to the story but you could have went at that a different way <laughs> so um so yeah so we flash cut flash cut we jump to um angel and stan in bed and this is such a horrible uh i don't know like i like them i understand that she uh being angel is the side piece the woman of the night whatever she's not Stan's wife, so I get the badness that's going on here. Uh, but I like seeing them together because I like exploring this side of Angel. I like seeing her romantically paired. And romantically paired with Stan gives us a story that we wouldn't be able to tell if Stan was a black man or a Hispanic man, Latino, oh Lord, I don't, a, a man of color, I'll say. So I do kind of, I like that part of it. Um, I'm to the point now where we could do without Stan's wife. I could care less about your wife and family because I feel like, and this is just my personal opinion, we're getting too much of this whiteness into this show um, where 
the well not even that the amount of space that his family takes up on this show for me could go to something else like i'm fine with him and angel i'm fine with knowing that he has a wife and kids i'm fine with like seeing them like having that be a stressor but this backdoor kind of plot of james vanderpeek's character matt kind of intruding in on stands i don't i don't give a fuck about that like i don't care like i could go watch dawson's creek or days of our lives or any other number of white centered television shows i don't need that i would prefer to stick to stan and angel with glimpses of stan and his family life that only heightens the tension between him and angel i don't give a fuck about patty mayonnaise and the two little kids and i don't don't care about that like whatever but you can't please everybody so you know i'm not gonna stress about it but um angel this is another thing angel spoke to stan they were talking about curves and i this oblivious ass motherfucker really because he was talking about how soft her skin was like yeah you know it's the hormones or whatever and she kind of picked an argument with him, but at the same time, you, I'm not mad at her. I'm more mad at him because it's like, how do you not, I'm not one for playing games in relationships, but when you have a dynamic that is like theirs or just anybody's, you got to be aware of your partner. Um, this argument that they got into was kind of a learning experience, I guess, like this nigga won't ever jump to talk about, oh, you look better with curves or whatever else because now you see what the result is because she, you know, chewed his ass. I was like, bitch, nigga, get out of my motherfucking house. But it's, it's the, well, and, I'm jumping ahead. That was further along in the, in the episode. This first instance was just her being kind of slapped in the face by him saying like, yeah, you know, girls with curves, you know, curves, he would look a little better or something. And it's like, damn, that's like you dating some, you know, big old full figure motherfucker. You're like, nah, I, yeah, if you had a six pack, you'd be much cuter or, uh, you know, a thin person like, damn, yeah, if you, you know, had some meat on your bones, you'd be better. But it's, oh, God, it that this angel stand situation has me on edge every time I see them on screen, mainly because when I see a white man with or a white person, rather, with any person of color, I'm always on high alert. Even if it's, a, you know, consensual interracial relationship, I'm always on high alert because I'm, I'm just afraid that any any drop of a dime that this motherfucker is going to end up dead in jail or hurt because of something that this white person has done, which is what we've been shown for quite some time. Uh, so we get to Damon in dance class and smiling from ear to ear, talking with Helena. Uh, he wants to be, what, number one in one of her shows or some shit like that. She's like, yeah, nigga, no, no, you're doing good, but you ain't doing that good. And, you know, he's pleading his case. And she's like, yeah, you know, I, I got you, nigga, whatever. You, you, okay, we here. You can do it. So, Damon's story is that now we don't know if this nigga got AIDS or not. Which was just, oh, my God. Okay, so, a few things. I've been watching TV, consuming media for quite some time, for a number of years, decades even. And a lot of times, you know, some of the best stories are when you find out that the killer or the person who did it is the person you least suspect. You know, that's always the, oh, shit, I should have saw that coming. That being said, that's how I approach television and movies and books and stuff. Now, it's like, they're going to try to get one over on us. It's going to be quiet little Sally who popped up in Chapter 2, you know, with the uh, broken car on the side of the road, and she was really the killer. So when I get shows like this, it fucks me up because I know I'm automatically going to try to figure out the mystery or the 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 plot twist or whatever immediately. In this episode, Damon gets sick and um, Angel's like, yeah, you know, there's a flu going around. So it might just be the flu. Blanca's asking him the, the real questions like, motherfucker, have you and Ricky been fucking? He said, yeah. She didn't say fucking, she did say motherfucker, but, and she's like, well, you know, have you used the condom or protection? And she's like, he's like, yeah. And when he said, yeah, I was like, every time, nigga, like, was there a hole in it or what? He's like, well, it came off one time and Blanca nearly had a fucking fit. And this is another reason why I like her and her character so much. Seeing this dynamic between this family where you watch it and on the surface, you're watching this family exist 
trying to make it one day at a time, living in this apartment in New York. You know, they poor, but they, they doing what they got to do. But then there's that added layer of these are not biologically related people. This is a family that has been forced or thrown together and they're making it work. And they're just as legitimate as any other family on TV and your next door neighbors or whatever. They're just as legitimate and just as important. And I, I fucking love that. But we'll get back to that a little bit later. So we have Candy and Angel who goes to this chick house. I think she's African or Haitian or something. And she used to work for a, uh, or she either she used to or she still does work for a doctor. And she helps the trans girls uh, with I think silicone injections so that they have more hips, more round thighs, uh, fuller breasts and whatnot. And I'm all excited. She has like pictures up before and after. Um, She's doing it in her apartment. So there is a level of like for colored girls, Macy Gray basement scene kind of in there. But because I didn't trust her at first. I was like, no, I'll fuck this. This motherfucker go fuck them over. But the more she talks and the more the, the, the scene goes on, I'm like, okay, I, I'm okay with this. And the girls are okay with this too. And she's explaining to them, which is another thing this show does by explaining to them by extension, you're explaining to the audience what this process is like being a trans girl and need and wanting this, um, procedure and what the procedure entails and what the bad parts of it are. She says like, you know, um, I do this, I do that. Uh, she injects it like a layer beneath the skin because you don't want to get this in your blood, such and such stuff that some of us may have as common knowledge or we've known about. So you kind of take for granted that that's something, you know, but then there are others who might need to have this spelled out to them. Cause of course, you know, you have cis women who get injections and, and implants and whatnot, but then there's probably a section of people that don't view trans women in the same way where it's just like, oh, they also get these procedures. And then by doing so, the procedures are essentially the same that they are with cis women. And it's, it was such a good, oh my God, it, a good scene. So um, the girls get ready <laughs> and they mention some chick named Lisa who she all fucked up. I think they said she had a square titty or one titty or some shit. But she... Um, they hopping up on the table. No, I'm a fuck. I want to go first. And so the lady says, look, this is a thousand dollars. And it's that whole, you get what you pay for. Like, yeah, that's a lot of money. You know, you ain't got a thousand dollars, but at the same time, you know, do you want to look like Lisa, you know, who went the, the cheap route? I think she said she went to Mexico or something. And now, you know, she look how she do. So Damon is is practicing and he gets sick, got a fever, throwing up in, in class. And this automatically triggers the audience as well as the people in this class. Oh, this nigga got HIV. Like you just, you know, that's what it is. So him and Blanca have that talk and he's understandably like, why the fuck you in my business to this extent? But then it's like, you're in her house. You know what I'm saying? Like you're her child and clearly this ain't coming out of thin air. Um, and as embarrassing as it is, it's important that you are one. What I, the fact that we're getting this conversation after Blanca already sat down with Damon and was like, "This is what it is. Protect yourself. Here are some pamphlets. You know, this is what's going on out here. This, that, and the third. And you're still, though your condition isn't HIV, it's actually a flu. Spoiler alert for the end of the episode. Um, you're still involving. You're engaging in risky behaviors that we, I've already educated you on. So it's just, it's like, no matter how much education there is in the world, sex is a very, um, it's a very addictive thing. It's a very uh, sensitive thing. It's a very free thing. You can have, most anyone can walk out their door and find someone to have sex with probably immediately. And that being said, though he did have that education from the other episode, he still was involving himself in this type of sex. And I think that's important because even as adults and as young uh, children, uh, young adults or whatever, engaging in sex, sometimes it, it happens. You know, you have unprotected sex. And I like that we get this. Um, we've already sown the seeds of uh, education about, you know, safe sex practices and then it's sitting there, but then we also get this, uh, this risky behavior. Not, I'm hoping that's the right way to, to, to 
or the politically correct way to talk about um, um, raw, unprotected sex. But anyways, it's the fact that we get these two kind of opposing actions. I'm giving you the education to go at this smart and then you're giving me the behaviors that are contradicting what I've already or half-assed what I've already given you. So I really like that. And I like through a lot of the episode, we're sitting here wondering, which for me, again, going back to before, where I'm always trying to figure out what's the plot twist, who's the bad guy, who's the you know good guy or whatever. I feel like I knew they were going to drag this out and have us kind of on our on pins and needles. I kept going back and forth with, yeah, he has it because this is the 80s and I can see him having it. And then, the, you know, going through and it being like, even the most innocent of us can get this. But then I'm like, oh, no, he can't have it. Maybe they'll just make us think he has it the whole episode. Then they'll be revealed that he doesn't. And then they introduce Ricky. Of course, Ricky is now the big bad because we have the safe sex sewn in our, in our head already. Then we get the risky behavior. And then we get the idea that perhaps it was Ricky. And, you know, that's from Lil Poppy and from Blanca and from everyone. And I was like, you did this to me. Whereas, no, they were both sexually active together. They both decided to have the sex. They both had the protected slash unprotected. All that being said, Ricky was now the source of all the, the anger. We need to get at him. Fuck Ricky. He did this. But it came down to a simple conversation. And I like that Damon and Ricky talked and Damon said, something and Ricky's like you don't have AIDS or you don't have HIV. I think he said you don't have AIDS and he was like well um have you got tested and then that was his answer was like you don't have he's like but that didn't answer my fucking question I may not have it but nigga have you um have you been tested oh do you have it and Ricky shows this very vulnerable kind of moment where he's a fuckboy in the sense that Nigga, answer the goddamn question. Don't be giving me this whole false hope shit. But then it was like, I don't know. You know, he said, I haven't been tested. I think he either said he never has or he hasn't in years. Something to that effect. But that was such a real moment. And I love seeing that between them, these two young brown boys. Man. Um, an unsuspecting, uh, unsuspected surprise. Happy to whatever a surprise in this episode was that we finally met Big Papa, Big Daddy, Big Boogaloo, whoever, um, Electra's sugar daddy. And it is none other than Detective Stabler from Law and Order SVU. This nigga isn't every goddamn thing. And I like seeing both of them together. Um, because I really like him. I like this actor. I like seeing him and stuff. But this is another conversation that needed to be had, and it was Mm, let's see as a trans person Electra has been presented with the opportunity to have her sexual reassignment surgery she stole the money from her kids to put the down payment down to have the surgery she's living a particular life lifestyle because of her boyfriend sugar daddy big papa I don't know you know what because of Detective Stabler. Now, she she has a dilemma. And I don't know if it's really a dilemma. I think it was just her presenting, you know, what it is to her, to him. Because she was telling him, like, you know, I want this surgery. And he was like, well, why? I like my girls. I love something extra about whatever. She's like, yeah. She said, but I'm 40. You don't think I'm... You don't think I'm stupid, do you? Because I know that once the next young whatever comes along, you could drop me in a heartbeat. And he's like, well, no. If you Pretty much telling her, if you go through this surgery, I'm cutting you off. And she's like, you know, I have to do this for me. I have to be happy. Yes, I love you and I like what we have. We've been together, I think, 10 years. And then he throws in her face like, oh, you know, I saw you. First saw you was dancing at the whatever club, the little red shit that the red light district that Angel was in, which took me directly back to Angel and Stan. And it's like, is this foreshadowing of what they're going to be? Because the situation is essentially the same. This white man with a savior complex swooped in and saved this little brown girl from dancing for men in this seedy part of town, started funding her and, you know, having sex and whatever else. And now this is your weekly meetup with the, you know, your... No, I won't say pet. Your, your, um, your lady in waiting or whatever. So, 
this scene though isn't about Angel. It gets me on on edge because I'm like, could Stan like who's to say that Big Papa or whatever Detective Stabler wasn't a kinder, softer, gentler man when they first met? You know, Stan is kind of awkward. He's you know figuring himself out. Who's to say he doesn't evolve to be this person? You know, but we kind of already get some hints to the same type of argument or conversation through uh, Angel talking about getting, you know, more curves and whatnot or and, and getting her reassignment surgery. And this is happening now. This isn't 10 years later after you've um, been being funded for that long. And essentially, like I said, he says, you know, if you get this done, uh, that's it. And that was such a heavy thing because I was like, God damn, what, what is Electra to do? Like you said, you're a one, you're forty. You are a beautiful woman, and you are used to a certain lifestyle. But you don't have that on your own. You have that because of this man. What happens next? Like I, it, oh, that was such a, whew, such a heavy, heavy, heavy uh scene. Um, heavy collection of scenes. And she's like, you know, pretty much, I'm going to do this. Um, we get to another ball, and Electra's there with her kids, and. Candy walks in and she is curvy and I'm like, oh, this. So she went and got the surgery done. Uh, but we find out that she's not. She just padded herself and gets called out. But she has a kind of cat fight bark off with um, with Electra. And it's 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 it, we knew this was coming. It seems like. Every so often, Electra is going head to head with these kids. And I don't think, on one hand, I don't think Electra's a good mom. And then on the other hand, I think that she is a decent, okay mom. Because, but she, she's more like a evil big sister who's just like hurling insults at you constantly, but really means you the world of good. Like I said before, you cannot convince me that she does not love Blanca with everything she has in her. I feel like she still loves Blanca. And bailing her out of jail, talking shit to her, trying to beat her in these balls, and constantly bringing up the house of Evangelista. She's, she loves Blanca. And I feel like it's probably the same with the rest of the girls and the rest of the kids. But when the girls in the house are kind of going against her, she ain't having it. And uh, she's quick to let them know that they're embarrassing her, that, you know, you're skinny as shit, that you you ain't going to walk this ball, that you ain't this and you ain't that. And it's like, damn, you rude as fuck. But, I mean, I get it. But, uh, but then I'm also like, you're not a good mom because you're not. I don't see what she's doing. I guess because Blanca is such a good mom and such a good caretaker for her kids in her house. When you see... Electra, and listeners, you tell me what do you think? Is Electra a good mom? Is she a bad mom? Is she does she even give a fuck? Like, do you think I'm wrong and that she does not love Blanca and she does not love the rest of these kids? Because I feel like she either on the one hand does and doesn't know how to express that love, maybe from her own relationship with her parents, or she doesn't and it's just like you're around and I need you around because I need people to uh kind of worship me. Maybe that's what it is, and if so, that's unfortunate, but. You know, Candy caught her out and, you know, Candy was chopped once again and Candy and Angel went to oh this woman's basement and she looked much worse than the original lady and it was much cheaper and Angel decided, no, nah, girl, I'm not going to do this. I'm not getting this, um, these injections and Candy did and because of the show and because of the way my mind is set up, I really, truly thought that they were going to kill Candy in this episode. That she was going to get these injections, she was going to be poisoned uh, from the injections, and she was going to just die right there on the spot. <laughs> Morbid, yes, I know, but I just, that's what I thought. But that's not what happened. She walked for a third time and fainted. And then she got her tears, and everyone, pray tell, really, being everyone, Mention, oh girl, I see you went and got that surgery. A little birdie told me you went and got such and such and this and that. And now you, you know, you hot stuff and you're juicy and all that good shit. And she won. And as soon as she won, she fainted. And I just knew 
I just knew this show was going to kill Candy. I just I just knew it, but I was wrong. She wasn't. So she wakes up and she's in the room with uh, Electra. And this is, again, a moment that, though I don't like her parenting ways, but I was like, oh, maybe she does give a damn about these kids. And she's talking to her like, look, you should have told me. You should have come to me if you was having these thoughts. And Candy's like, motherfucker, you you don't give a damn about us. You want service. You don't give a fuck about having a house and having kids. You don't give a fuck, period. She's like, you know, I don't like who I look, who I see when I look in the mirror at times, too. And this and that. And it was just such a, a honest moment. It was such a heavy moment between the two of them that I just, I, oh, my God. I, I This wasn't something that had me nearly in tears because this show is good for that. But this was a really good interesting uh conversation that i think was needed and especially between two dark-skinned trans women like that in itself was the thing that was like okay this is i'm i'm feeling this uh we get what else is next so okay so now we get you know damon and, and ricky and the the thought that you might have hiv and whatever else and so blanca you know she's walking on the pier with pray tell and she's like you know this is what it is and blah blah whatever and he's like you know i stopped getting tested you know, after his lover, who was in the last episode, um, was diagnosed, I just stopped. Because it's like, and, and that was the, and I wonder, and anyone who's old enough or who knows this, is this a consensus of how HIV and AIDS was dealt with in the 80s? Like, if you looked fine, then it was just like going and going about your life because you could be here today and gone the next week. And that was kind of the through line that we kept getting is that, yes, like, from the beginning, Praytale had asked Blanca, like, do you have any symptoms? And she's like, no. He's like, well, why would you go get that goddamn test? You already knew what the result's going to be. You ain't got no symptoms. Just live your life and be happy and whatever else. And now we get to Praytale kind of saying the same thing. Like, look, I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to. I stopped getting tested because it's like, wh- what's the point? If I could look fine and be here one day and then a couple of days later, be sick and dead in the ground or at the hospital and no one coming to visit me. What's the point? And that was another honest conversation where I was like, shit, this show, the writing, they just, they're really trying to pull the emotions up out of the viewers. Cause goddamn, these actors are giving it their all. Um, so we get a flash cut to Braytail at the diner at a diner with the boys. And, they, and I like that because I really thought that, Blanca was going to go, like the house overall, the whole house was just going to go together. But I really, honestly, truly love the fact that Praytel, who is, by extension, the father of Evangelista, like he is the father figure, taking all the boys to go get tested together. Like that's such a, yes, everyone should get tested and everyone should know their status and, you know, have sex responsibly and whatever else. But the, the seeing this man take these three boys together, we're all going and not have the ladies included because it's it's that's something separate. That's something that should be addressed in a certain way, um, especially with the ladies being trans women. That's something. But seeing these four men together, that warmed my heart really. Um, we get them at the at the um, at the um, at the clinic or hospital. I don't know where the hell this is. I'm sure it's a hospital. And one by one, they're going in and getting their results. And I like. It was just such a beautiful experience. Like, let me see. There was the the drama that's already there from just by nature of it being about getting tested. And then them showing the process with the three boys sitting in the chair, getting their blood taken. You know, they're all a bit nervous. They got You can see it in their faces and them straining and whatnot. It was, it was, and then the follow-up, like Lil Poppy. Oh, my God, I love him. Why are we not getting more of Lil Poppy? Like, like we, we need more. We needed more of Relish in my house, and we need more of Lil Poppy and Poser. So, and Pose. Poser, Pose. Um, so, uh, we, we get things just... Uh, Okay, <laughs> I don't, I'm just I'm overwhelmed because it's it's so good, it's so good. Um, and seeing again these brown boys going and, and, and getting the, it's like this show is teaching you things 
which I guess is the hallmark of a good show or a good program is when you're learning, you're, you're being entertained, but you're also learning and even seeing the process. Like for some, some people probably have never been tested and some probably have and or scared to or whatever, but to see how simple the process is, and it's even simpler. Now this is reminiscent of the eighties. Like, um, you know, there's home kits and, Bunch of other shit that you that we have now that were not available back then, but just seeing that process, sitting in a chair, getting blood drawn, you know, and then getting your results. I don't think they gave a time frame because I thought that back then it took about a week, but I don't know, maybe either for the purpose of the show or to kind of move things along. Maybe they cut that in half. I don't know. If anyone knows, let me know. Um, Carefree Blurred on Twitter and we'll figure some shit out. So, but that being said, the boys got their results and oh, oh, I'll say this in the middle of them getting tested and then getting their results. We had the cut of, um, candy walking with her new body in the ball and, you know, feigning. So I'm thinking like either this was, I'm assuming this was done maybe to give the illusion that time has passed, but then, I think the guys were still wearing the same shit that they wore. I don't know. Either way, uh, candy faints, and then we get back to the boys, and they're being, they're getting their results, and everyone is nervous, understandably so, and the acting is it's so good. Um, uh, Ricky is negative, Damon is negative, Lil Poppy is negative, and Lil Poppy's real. Like he's look, I how do you not love him? Lil Poppy is so, and then I think, oh, this is another thing that's important. Go, taking a step back to the diner, I like that, again, educating you. They were, Praytale was saying we're going to go get tested. And everyone's like, oh, okay, whatever. And then it came to Lil Poppy, and he was like, Damon was like, well, no, he doesn't have to get tested because he doesn't um, sleep with men. I think he, I'm so, I'm, I'm a bit confused. I think my impression is that Lil Poppy either is, heterosexual practicing or he only sleeps with trans women but i'm thinking it can't be trans women it has to be cis women just off that conversation in the diner because it seemed like because he's like yeah i do go with her but when i'm hard up for cash i do get oral sex from guys so i am very confused but that that whole like collection of scenes that dialogue that back and forth was very important um, because again, someone might think, hell, I'm going to get tested. I only get head. I only do this. I only do that. Well, hell, what's the harm in getting tested anyway? It's like, go, go and do that just for your own, uh, for your own sake. So you'll know. But, um, so yeah, so we go to, and, uh, little poppy comes out and he's excited cause you know, he's negative and he's, uh, such face lit up, got all his teeth showing. It's such a, uh, I love it. Um, but then we get pray tell and he goes and gets the results and he is positive and, watching his acting and watching him kind of freak out and not even barking at the lady, but letting her know, you know, it has, it got to be a false positive test again. about whatever. And she's like, look, I can assure you that no, this is what it is. And that's another thing, bringing up the idea of a false positive. Some people probably don't even know that's a thing that there can be a false positive, but you know, that you still need to get tested again to make sure that that isn't your actual diagnosis. So, and she's like, look, I'm sorry, but I, you know, I can assure you this is what it is because we've, we've, um, we've tested it several times to make sure. And he's freaking out. And he's like, look, and <clears throat> excuse me, understandably. So he is kind of going crazy, but it, and this is just my perception of the scene. It goes from me being stressed and worried because now I have this virus and I see what it can do or what it has done to people, even people I love and people who I just know in passing. But then it shifted very quickly to these boys. Like I can't, what did he say? He said, you know, let me, you have to let me, give me a minute to myself. I have to collect myself. Those three boys out there, they need me. They can't see me uh, stressed like this. Oh, and that, this is where I was like, I'm about to fucking cry. Like, oh my God, it, to see him walk out there and struggle, but pull it off to say that he was negative and for everyone to celebrate. It was like, it, it's the things you do for your children, the things you do for kids, the things you do to keep them innocent for as long as you possibly can. Now, 
A lot of people on Twitter were upset about it, and I get that. But I also see it from his point of view, which is like, I'm the male role model. I'm the male father figure that they have in their life. Though they would be sad if they knew he was positive, you still, for all the shit that these kids have on top of them just by existing and living day in and day out, this is not another thing that I want to add to their play. Because though they might be hurt and sad for a minute and move on, who it, it's it's just it's stressful. Now there's another scene that happens in between all of this where Angel and Stan are having sex and you know uh, Stan's not able to perform. He's saying that it's the whiskey. She's saying, well, you know, maybe you've got me out of your system. She attempts to give him oral sex and it still doesn't work. And she's getting frustrated. Now, no doubt. Now I'm not I'm not Stan's friend. I'm not a, a Stan of Stan. But as much as she was stressed out, I'm sure that nigga was too. Because if it ain't working, you probably like, like, oh shit, what? I got to make this shit work. <laughs> I can say that much for Stan. But we get her kind of going off on him. And understandably so. And this where, though it may seem like she's overreacting, I feel like this is justified. She said, oh, well, maybe I'm out of your system. You just like them other motherfuckers. You know, you ain't really into me, blah, blah, whatever. You ain't gay. Uh, you say you ain't gay. Uh, and then they, they brought up, I guess, using her penis during sex. Like him either jacking her off or, or say, I don't think she's penetrated him. But just even acknowledging the existence of her penis. And he was like, well, I did that for you and such and such. And she has this bird that said, no, no, nigga, that was for you. I don't even want either further going into having conversations and knowing your goddamn partner, be it your side piece, your, your mistress, your, your main thing or whatever, knowing your fucking partner so you don't make mistakes like this. She, she to my, my understanding, Angel wants that sexual reassignment surgery. I don't think it's been explicitly said in this episode. If so, please let me know. But I don't think it was said. I think the most that we got about that was her having the injections to get more curvy um, or not having them. And then the conversation about her penis. And it was such a real scene. And it's a scene that you could switch out the characters and it could be the same scene, you know, somewhere else. Of course, the the verbiage would change some because if you put just a cis woman in Angel's spot, you wouldn't have certain aspects of the conversation, but it was so real. And I say that because, again, representation matters. And this wasn't some hokey, uh, funny-ass storyline that we just threw in to entertain the masses. This was an actual conversation built off of episodes worth of tension between the two characters. Now, Stan says something that no matter who you're fucking with... <laughs> Should not have been said. So they're going back and forth. And he may feel blindsided. But again, that's because he's so fucking oblivious to everything. Uh, but he says, is this your hormones? Why are you acting like this? And that wasn't verbatim, but something to that effect. Woo! And I said on Twitter, is this like telling a woman in the middle of an argument, oh, you must be on your period? Like, where the fuck? Why did you even fix your mind to say that? Like, I... <laughs> Again, knowing your goddamn partner and knowing the limitations. She kicks this nigga out down. She said, get the fuck out of my house. Like, oh my God. But he's telling her about his attraction, where it comes from. And he, in college, went into some video store and went to the very back where he didn't see the cover of the book, but he saw the title, so he knew what it was. And it was, it was called She Males, which is, oh God. Um... And so he pulled it back. He said he got erect and it was was hard forever in a day. And this is what happens. And she's like, okay, so I'm just the fucking cover of a magazine to you, which is legitimate concern. And so I was seeing some people upset about her. But I'm like, how in the fuck? No one wants to be fetishized at all. No matter how much money you're throwing at me, that doesn't make it any better, which is essentially what we're going through with Electra. Nigga, no one wants to be fetishized. I want this surgery for me. This is going to make me feel complete. If this part of me that is in direct contrast to what I feel like, what I, what I know to be, is something that you want, and that's the thing that's going to stop you from fucking with me, then fuck you, Detective Stabler. I'll just go in and do my own fucking thing. And it just, it's the same, oh my God, it's, it's the same thing. 
And I want I'm I'm so happy at the way things are being handled in this show. Um I I don't know, just a good ass show. Um fast forward towards the end, Blanca's excited about this piece that uh Preto has made for her, and then it comes out that he's actually positive and she's like, You lied to them boys and such and such. Well, I really thought that he would have lied to the kids but then told Blanca that he was positive. But that's not how that happened. But I like that the roles were reversed. So now, now we get Blanca and Praytale from episode one switched around. And it's like, motherfucker, now Blanca's the strong, confident one. And Praytale's the broken, sad one. And we... I I love this show, y'all. It's so good. Um and, and, you know, her concerns were legitimate, but she was there for him. I like A lot of times I get worried when Blanca gets upset, and it's probably a product of uh, my own upbringing because I'm thinking she's going to go one way and she doesn't. Like when she was upset with Damon, and it was, of course, you having sex, but it was like, no, you need to be smart and do this, you know, or do or be more mindful of this. And when it came down to Pray Tale and Blanca, I thought that she was going to be like, motherfucker, why are you such a... But it was like, no, nigga, like, we in this together. You and me, you know, don't worry. We're going to get through this. And, oh, my God, it's it was fucking amazing. Now, a question that I have is I wonder, are we in 88 yet? Or are we still in 87? Because we know we had the Christmas shit. And I think at the beginning of the episode, Pray Tell something said something about a new year. So I think we are in 88, but I'm not I'm not sure. Um, we get Electra in the office talking to this white woman who I know I've seen her. I feel like this is Jordan Kavanaugh, but no. Law and order, criminal intent. Damn, y'all. This whole week, I have been stressing myself, trying to figure out where I know this little white lady. She has longer hair. But it's the white chick that was with uh, uh, D'Onofrio, who played uh, Kingpin in Daredevil. Shit. Okay. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yes, that's her. So all the uh, Law and Order is up in this motherfucker. So, <laughs> so anyway, she's having a conversation with Electra. She's like, I don't think you understand what I'm giving up by going through with this surgery. And she's like, she being a uh, Law and Order chick, she's like, look. Whatever you're giving up to be yourself, it's worth it. Like, you know, something real poetic. But it was just like, y'all just, y'all trying to make me cry. Nigga, you ain't going to get no tears out of me. I'm going to hold this shit back. <laughs> so electricize the paperwork. And that's that. We are going to get um, a new and improved Electra. And I wonder how she's going to, mm, how she's going to navigate this space. Well, uh, I didn't left out one of the most important plot points, which is that Electra went up against a uh, homegirl who was had the sexual reassignment surgery. And I don't know if it was something in her aura or the way she walked that we were that was supposed we were supposed to know that because I was kind of dumb to it. I thought she was just another beautiful woman who walked and won a trophy and where I thought Electra was going to be catty and mean to her like she is to her own children. They were at a diner having a conversation. And she was like, no, you know, if this is something you want, you need to go for it. Wait. Was that this episode or the episode before? Y'all, I've been watching Pose like on repeat. So shit is starting to run together. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, and we get Damon's like performance. He's like the head of whatever shit Helena had him doing. And his family sitting up watching him. And it's beautiful. I love seeing them out as a family it just looks so good like once post season one is all said and done i want like um a web short or something of just the evangelistas doing regular shit grocery shopping having dinner uh going to a play fucking catching a plane a flight somewhere like that's what i want to see this shit like i love it um all in all this is a good ass fucking episode as they all are this was a good ass movie because again that's what this shit feels like so let's see. Uh, favorite. Favorite of this episode. Oh my God. It's so many. Blanca is a favorite. Candy was a favorite. Angel was a favorite. Helena with her ass. She was a favorite. But um, I'd have to go with. 
This was a good Damon story and very good for Angel as well. I'd have to go with Pray Tell. Pray Tell would be a favorite because of all the shit that he went through and like doing what he needed to do, what he felt was important to try to take care of those kids and still dealing with his own shit. I'm going to have to go with Pray Tell as my favorite. Um, Lee's favorite is always Stan or Matt. It's one of the pale folks. And favorite scene, all of them were so good. Um, favorite scene, da, 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 da. Angel, Angel and Stan, all their scenes. Because it's, I mean, the balls were great. It, the whole fucking episode was great, but I really like this. I like, I like, I like Angel. I like Angel. I like Angel. I want more of her, but I like seeing her kind of at odds with Stan and then making, for me, again, not being a trans person, making something seem so normal that people are so afraid of it and it's so taboo, which is a relationship between a trans person, a, a relationship with a trans person in it. Like, it was, though the subject matter was a bit specific for Angel being a trans woman, it was a very real argument that has been played on screen and in movies and TV forever in the day. But it was done by this person, which made it feel so fucking normal. So, yeah, Angel and Stan fighting. That was, uh, that did it for me. <laughs> so, um, this has been the fourth installment of House, the House of Poser Pod. Please use the hashtag PoserPod when listening to this episode and all subsequent episodes of PoserPod. And please, when you're watching FX's Pose on Sunday nights at 10, 9 Central, 1039 Central, something like that up in there. Uh, please, <laughs> please make sure to use the hashtag PoserPod as well. Tweet me, Carefree Blurred. Let me know you're listening. Let's have a conversation. Um, tweet live with me. Let's talk about some shit. Shit you don't like, you do like, whatever else. If you need to get in touch with me, you can always email me if Twitter isn't your thing at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. The hub for all things Carefree Blurred, uh, Carefree Black Nerd. <laughs> all social medias, uh, Snapchats, and all other shows on the Carefree Black Nerd feed network are at carefreeblacknerd.com. There is merch, 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 Carefree Black Nerd shirts at bynkradio.com in the BYNK Radio store. So please check that out. Again, it has been scientifically proven that when you wear a Carefree Black Nerd shirt, you become more attractive by a good 50% and more intelligent by about 70%. It's the fact. Buy one, put it on, take a picture, post it on social media, and boom. There you go. <laughs> so all that being said, uh, I'm going to catch you guys back here next time. Hopefully we'll have a special guest or two or three or four or five or six before this series is done. And until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, quit getting them damn shots from that basement girl, and also uh, get your things. <laughs> all right, y'all.